This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning we want to tackle the dragon of mental illness. It is real. It is tough. I know that there's many people battling. But my goal this morning is to give you hope. And to stir your faith that Jesus is greater. Amen. He is our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Healer. He's our Deliverer. And He is in this house. Today He's ready to touch us. So if you are one of those people maybe battling or maybe have a family member, I'm stirring your hope today that God is good and that He's faithful. And He is in the business of healing us. Amen. So most of you would be aware of my journey with insomnia. It started when my son was three months old. And looking back, we realized that all the changes in our lives, a new town, a new job, a new church, first time mom, emergency Caesar, all those things added up and became the breeding ground of insomnia. So my, my good nights were the exception, my bad nights were the rule. And it was attached to many other feelings like failure, fear, anxiety that made everything worse. But after three years, God was truly faithful to to deliver me. It wasn't a quick fix. It wasn't a, a one prayer, but he used, he used worship and prayer and church community, friends, books, sermons that gave me hope and it helped me to fight this battle. And even though my, my sleep improved after that, in 2015, I had another nine-week episode, if I can call it like that, where I couldn't sleep, where I felt tormented by the enemy. And once again, God used prayer from people in the church, but also prophetic words that were spoken over me that set me free. And, you know, I, I have so much compassion on people who struggle with any kind of mental thing because I know what, what postnatal depression feels like. I know what insomnia feels like, and I know the frustration and the exhaustion. So even though I've never... Um, been formally diagnosed with with mental illness. I I know what it feels like. I've a measure of, of I've experienced the measure of it. And even though my sleep improved after 2015, my my sleep actually improved slowly but surely. And the last couple of years, I haven't struggled at all, except for the odd bad night, like you know all of us. I actually started struggling again last year September, which was out of the blue. It was unexpected. It's highly frustrating, but here I am today, and I, I feel the effect of insomnia currently in my life. And it's very humbling when, when falling asleep feels like the most difficult thing on this planet. I mean, how difficult can it be to fall asleep? You know, you would ask if you don't struggle. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think when it comes to these kind of things, uh, uh, to have a reference for somebody who struggles is so important because often we, we don't understand and we, we, we can get frustrated with other people, you know, who battle with depression or anxiety because it's just not part of your life. You know, I always tell people, if you know what insomnia feels like, just stay awake night after night until one o'clock or two, even three o'clock, just stay awake and then uh, sleep about three or four hours, but interrupted like you know, stretches of half an hour and you wake up, you wake up again. You feel like a zombie the next day and then you try again. 
uh, but, but don't sleep. You just stay awake. And then every now and again, you take a sleeping tablet. And then sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. And sometimes um, it's got side effects, sometimes it doesn't. It's just a crazy a crazy journey of just wanting to be well. And I know some of you have experienced mental illness in some kind of form, and you're desperate for freedom. And this morning, I really have compassion on you. And I, you know, I know what it feels like with these things to have a testimony, to feel it's part of your past, you feel that it's, you've, you've conquered it. And then it, it knocks on your door again. That's often the worst. Because you, you really felt as if, you know, between you and Jesus, you've conquered this. And now you're struggling again. And this is often when we, when we become despondent and when we stop fighting. And I want to I wanna stir that fighting spirit in you again this morning, not to give up and not to stop fighting. So maybe you are battling this morning or maybe you have battled. Maybe you have a friend or a family member who's, who's battling. And because you really love that person, you struggle as well because you feel their pain. And I just want to assure you this morning, you're not alone. You are not alone. If you're on medication, you're not judged, you're not condemned, but you're loved and you are supported by us and, and by the church. You know, according to statistics, more than 17 million people in South Africa are battling with depression, substance abuse, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. It's about 28% of our population. You can do your own research. There's a lot of statistics on the internet. I think COVID obviously increased all of these statistics, but you are not alone. If you are struggling, you're not alone. And I want to read you a quote by C.S. Lewis. He said that mental pain is less traumatic than physical pain, but it's more common and it's harder to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. Because it's easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. And I think that's the tough thing about mental illness. We can't really get a grip of it. We can't always figure it out because God created us as a three-part being, right? So we are body, soul, and spirit. So yes, if your tooth is aching, you go to the dentist and he fixes it and, you know, you live happily ever after. <laughs> If your heart is broken, it's a little bit more tricky to fix it. And yes, I know there's many physical illnesses as well where there's no, there's no answer and there's no medical solution. But when it comes to mental illness, it, it's tricky because it affects every part of our lives. It affects us physically, mentally, and spiritually. And there's, there's nine very common mental health disorders I just want to mention there's a lot more, but these things are very common in society today. It's depression, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, schizophrenia, persistent depressive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, borderline personality disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder. And some people could be diagnosed with more than one of these, which make it even more complicated to solve and to get to the root you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and I'm not going to try and fulfill their role this morning in diagnosing or treating mental illness. But like I said, I know that mental illness is a spiritual, physical, and mental battle. And on top of that, we have a real enemy 
We have a real enemy who wants to convince us that we are dysfunctional and we'll never get better. There's a lot of lies and emotions attached to mental illness. And like I said, on top of that, there's, we have a real enemy as Christians who wants to convince us of anything and everything that's not the truth. And that gets us down even more. But like I said this morning, I want to stir your faith. I want to stir your hope. And I want to share that God fights for us. He's fighting for us. Every battle, everything you're going through, he's right there. You're not forsaken and you're not alone. So how do we fight the dragon of mental illness? I cannot give you a recipe this morning, but I can give you a few tools. You know, there isn't a recipe. You know, sometimes I think to myself, surely I should by now know how to fight insomnia. I mean, surely I should have the tools. And every time the fight is different. Every time we need to fight again, because ultimately, you know, in the spirit, we're taking ground. You're taking ground. You must see it like, you know, in the Old Testament where the Israelites were fighting for the promised land. They were taking ground. They were taking something that God promised them, but it didn't come without a fight. And every piece of ground meant another fight. You know, so what if, what if Joshua gave up? What if he said, okay, I'm just going to give up. I've, I've taken two nations. I've taken a little bit of ground. I'm really tired of all this fighting. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm build my little house and this piece of, of ground that I've taken. But, you know, I'm done with fighting. And that is sometimes how we feel. You know, we've taken a bit of ground and now we need to fight again. And that is what makes it so difficult. So first of all, I want to encourage you to get help. Get all the help that you can find. Now, there's a scripture in three, uh, John 2 that says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. God is really committed to our health, mentally, physically, and, and, and spiritually. He's committed to our health. Do you know, and I'll share with you a story by Chris Vallotton. He, he wrote a book called Spirit Wars. It's a really good read. A really healthy perspective on, on many parts of, of the spirit war we're fighting. And he played a major role in my healing in 2012. The first time when, you know, it was my first three years of insomnia. So he shares that there's been a season where he was on both antidepressants and sleeping tablets. And it all started with a hectic ministry schedule where he was just burnt out. And then on top of that, his son got divorced. So his life just fell apart. So he went on medication, and he shares that after six months of literally not being able to get off the couch, he, he went to the doctor. They did some blood tests. Now, if, you, if you've ever heard Chris Valentin speak, he's a powerful, powerful minister of the gospel. He is a preacher. He's an author. He is he's bold. And he doesn't look like the kind of person who would end up on medication for a mental thing, but he did. And, you know, I just want to give you grace this morning that if you've ever been in a situation where you struggle or you, you've gone on medication, give yourself grace. You know, we, we're going to trust the Lord that you're not going to stay there. But this can happen to any one of us. You know, I never battled with insomnia until three months after my son was born. And life was just too much. Everything was just too much for me and my body, my body wasn't coping. You know, and... So back to Chris Valentin's story. So he went to the doctor. They did some blood tests, and they actually discovered some deficiency. 
that he took supplements for, and that was the beginning of his road to recovery. Now, if you know the the environment at Bethel Church where he is, you know, it's people get healed, people get delivered, these powerful stories of deliverance, but this man had to journey this out. You know, he went on medication, he had to go to the doctor, and he had to fight this fight and get to the root of the problem. You know, and often we treat symptoms. We treat symptoms, but our our goal or our um, important thing is to get to the root if we want to get well. Amen? So do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to get well. Go to the doctor. Check your diet. Get exercise. Do whatever it takes to get well. God is with you and he's committed to you. Then we need to walk in the light. And I cannot emphasize this one enough. I know we know it or we've, maybe we've heard it, walking in the light, you know, accountability. But if we do not practice this as a, a, a daily, monthly, weekly discipline, we can get really ill. So let me just read you the scripture, then I'll explain to you. 1, 1 John 1, 7 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Something happens when we confess. Something happens when we talk to somebody. Now, if you've been through any traumatic thing in your life, or if there's any sins or hidden hidden struggles in your life, and you're not talking about it, you're the only one who knows about it. It has the potential to make you really ill. This is why the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us, to cleanse us, to wash away, to, to make us whole again. You see, in this, we also have an enemy who takes advantage of traumatic seasons. He jumps on it. He makes it worse with all kinds of lies and emotions. And also we give the enemy access when there's hidden things, when there's secrets. When If you are married and you have secrets for your spouse, it has the potential to make you really ill. And this is why we need to walk in the light. You know, there's another story about Brian Johnson, also from the Bethel Church in Reading. He is... The president and the co-founder of Bethel Music. We sing a lot of his songs in church. And he, he was really a pioneer when it comes to, to the music and the freedom we have in worship today. But in 2015, he went through a season where he experienced major heavy panic attacks. So he wrote a book called When God Becomes Real, also a very, very good read. Just his testimony of, of what God did. So when it started, when his panic attack started, it was so severe, he was actually thinking he was having a heart attack. So it wasn't, it wasn't physical. It was, it was emotional. It was mental. But the, the effect in his body was so strong, he felt he was having a heart attack. So he, he went on medication for six months that helped him to kind of cope more to just survive in a sense because he was not even really coping. His wife had to still stand in for meetings for him. He was, he was, he was actually just not doing well. And it all started with years and years of pressure with, with just establishing Bethel music, a lot of, of conflict and or unresolved conflict and a lot of discussions that 
he was not having, and he was, it was just building up, building up and building up and his body shut down. And he experienced it so severe, like I said, that it, it felt like a heart attack in the beginning. So after six months, he, he was realizing that the medication is suppressing the symptoms, but he's not flourishing. He's not even really coping. And then God, by his grace, started showing him unforgiveness. He started showing him a, a healthier way to deal with conflict and to have discussions with people. And he went through a lot of things where he started walking in the light and God changed him and God healed him and slowly but surely decreased the medication and he could come off completely. So it's a success story, but this man went through hell. It was really, really tough. So we need to talk to somebody, but I want to encourage you to talk to somebody who understands that we are a three-part being. Because we are body, soul, and spirit. And if you speak to somebody, that person must keep it in mind that we're not just the body. We cannot just treat the symptoms in our body. Also, we're not only a soul. We're not only a spirit. We need to tackle this thing on, on, on all levels. You know, and somebody we can really recommend, if you want to go and see somebody, we, we advise many people to go to Corey Durant. He's a trusted friend and a partner uh, with us. And he's got so many success stories. We've listened to so many people going to him and coming back. And God really uses him powerfully. You know, people experience real breakthrough when, when they go and see him. He was a pastor in town, but now he's focusing 100% on counseling and he's really helping a lot of people. So if you want to see somebody, we can really recommend him. I know it's expensive to see professional people. He is affordable. He is amazing. So this is somebody that we can really recommend if you want to, want to talk to someone. Then forgiveness. Again, I cannot emphasize this one enough. You know, when we nurture unforgiveness in our hearts, we give it water, we give it water. You know, it's, we think it's innocent in the beginning. You're just like super angry today. And then you let it slide. You, you don't really uh, do anything about it. The next day you're still really super angry. And then again you let it slide. And then you start watering this anger and this offense and this grudge that you, you hold towards a person. And then it becomes something that's really toxic, that can make you really ill. This is why unforgiveness is not innocent. It's not insignificant. We don't talk about unforgiveness just because we don't have anything to talk about. It is for the sake of your mental health. I want to encourage you to, to, to get it out of your system with everything. You know, you, you put all your energy into getting unforgiveness out of your heart because that is medicine for a, a healthy spirit and a healthy heart. You know, Coritin Boom, she was a prisoner at a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. She said, forgiveness is an act of the world and the world can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. You know, she was in a Nazi concentration camp, but she chose to forgive. We need to choose Forgiveness for the sake of our mental health. I've spoken to somebody recently who went through quite severe emotional ups and downs. She couldn't figure out what was going on until God showed her a major root of unforgiveness in her heart. And she was 
she told me she was stubborn. God said to her, she knew, she knows what the Bible says about forgiveness, but she was stubborn because she, she was so hurt and she couldn't forgive. And this thing grew into, I want to call it a dragon of unforgiveness, and it made her emotionally really, really ill. And when she said, okay, God, I see it, I see it, help me to forgive. When she started working through forgiveness with God's help, because we cannot do it in our own strength, don't even try. God is able and he's willing to help us. We must just say, okay, God, I'm willing, I I want to, I'm willing to forgive. The moment she did that, emotional well-being started to improve. You know, she actually felt God saying to her, bipolar is your fate. If you do not forgive, this thing is going to get worse and worse and worse. It's going to make you really ill. So forgiveness is like medication. If you want to treat yourself with a really good tablet for your mental health and your, or your, to treat your mental illness, forgive. And forgive consistently. You know, forgiveness isn't a once-off thing. We need to do it Every day, every week, every month. You know, 70 times 7. Amen. Then celebrate your personality. You know, Psalm 139 says, You formed my innermost being. You're shaping my delicate inside and my integrate outside. You wove them all together in my mother's womb. And I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that or if you ever wanted to trade your personality for another personality. But I've been there, you know. I don't believe that lie anymore because God showed it to me and we crushed it in Jesus' name. But there was a season in my life in the past where I really thought if I had a different personality, I would be of more value to my husband and a bigger blessing to the church. I was really looking at myself and not liking me. You know, and God said to me, Sonica, this is such a lie. But how many of you know that the enemy comes with the same lie in a different form. So let me give you an example. In, in December, over the December holidays, when I was so struggling to sleep, you know, it, it, you really feel uh, a little bit pathetic when you struggle to sleep during your holiday. <laughs> you know, I was like, who struggles to sleep when they're on holiday? You know, I just felt so exhausted and hopeless, you know, and, and then I said to God, Lord, my husband needs a joyful wife. And my son needs a joyful mom. And I'm just so exhausted, you know. I, I, I drag myself from the one thing to the next. You know, when, and what God said to me was so liberating. He said to me, Sonica, no, they need you. You know, it was like this weight falling off my shoulder. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue joy. And I will pursue joy for the rest of my life. Because it's the one thing the enemy really wants to steal. So I will only to fight for it for the rest of my life. But my husband and my son, they do not just need a random joyful woman. They need me, you know. And sometimes we just want to want to trade our personalities because I have weaknesses. I'm very much aware of my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities. But I'm also so aware that God is using me in the midst of that, despite those things. And sometimes he's using those exact things because he drives me to seek him. You know, I would not have spoken about mental illness today, was it not for my sleepless nights? Because, you know, when you sleep well, it's really not on your radar that other people struggle. When, when everything is going well with us, it's not on our radar that other people might suffer. So this thing has forced me to start praying for 
whoever is struggling to make warfare and to, to trust the Lord for freedom. You know, and, and I wanna I wanna tell you this morning if you are like a sensitive personality like I am, you know, Via and my son, he always tells me that, Mommy, yo, you will you won't survive at school because <laughs> The kids say horrible things to each other, you know, because he, he can see I'm a sensitive personality, you know, and we don't say horrible things to each other in our home. Then he tells me, mommy, shame. I'm glad you're not at school anymore. But if, if you are sensitive like me, if you're prone to depression, prone to anxiety, you're not dysfunctional. You are full of potential. You are full of potential because many people who battle with these things, they're very creative and they are sensitive to other people. You are, you, you experience life differently, but God can use it powerfully, powerfully to reach to other people. So if we can get to a point where God's grace cover our weaknesses, but we have the, 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 the guts and the boldness to pursue the potential in the area of our weaknesses. How amazing would that be? Because we have weaknesses. Let's admit it. All of us have something that's not as strong as maybe somebody else. But what if God can cover those things with his grace? So that it's there. I mean, it's not going to just be gone, but it's covered. So there's peace in the midst of it. You feel safe. And then you have the, the boldness to start looking into that thing and how it could, how that potential of that weakness could could be transformational for other people. You know, and that is the beauty of celebrating who you are because God can use you not only in your strengths, but in your weaknesses. And that's very liberating because then God will get the glory. God will get the glory when he uses us in our weaknesses. And then I want to encourage you to keep on fighting. Psalm 130 verse 7 says, So Israel, so put your own name in there. O Sonica, keep hoping. Keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord for his tender hearted, kind and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. A thousand ways. God is not bound to one way. This is what I'm saying. I'm not giving you a recipe this morning. God has a thousand ways to set you free. You know, and I think when we struggle with our mental health, our default is often to isolate ourselves. Our default is often to give up. But losing hope and isolation won't improve our mental health. So I want to beg you this morning, if you are struggling, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're struggling with your mental health, I want to beg you not to isolate yourself, but to force yourself to come to church, force yourself to go to life group, force yourself to join us next weekend for the Open Heavens Conference. You know, sometimes, you know, like Stephen, the word Stephen brought this morning, God is the God of the suddenlies. He can make a difference suddenly, unexpectedly. You know, uh, in 2015, when I was again battling with my insomnia, then people prayed for me. We, we had a dinner date with people. I was awake until 4 o'clock that morning. I was so exhausted. I really wanted to cancel our dinner with friends. But praise God, I didn't because that night they prayed for me, you know, and it was a couple in the church and the husband looked at me and he said, Sonica, I know many people have prayed for you, but tonight we're going to pray again. You know, and I could see the faith in his eyes. I had zero faith. I was exhausted. I was struggling. I could see he had faith, you know, and it was, it was a, an appointment that I expected nothing from. I just wanted to survive. 
I just wanted to get through the spaghetti bolognese without crying. <laughs> I just wanted to go there and pretend that life is normal, but it wasn't. But then God said, tonight is the night. You know, God can do anything at any moment, but we need to position ourselves. If I isolated myself, if I stayed at home, that would not have happened for me. So I want to ask you, join us next weekend. You know, sometimes we need one word from the Lord to change direction, to change our course onto a destructive path to a, a healing path. So force yourself, force yourself not to isolate you. I want to read you a quote by Betsy Ten Boom. So this is now Corey Ten Boom's sister. They were both in a Nazi concentration camp in World War II. Betsy died in the concentration camp. Corey was released a little while after that. But just before she died, she told to Corey, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And I know mental illness feel like a deep dark pit. It's darkness. It's like clouds of darkness covering you. You know, but in the midst of those darkness, you know who's there? God. And, And around him is light. He covers everything with light. Everything. So your deepest, darkest moment, if you can find Jesus in there, it will turn from darkness to light. You know, and I also want to share with you about a song of Melissa Halser that she released recently called Sound Mind. And if you want a song to play at home and do warfare for your mental health, I can really recommend this one. You know, Melissa's uh, and, her, and her husband, Jonathan, they release God's presence and they change the atmosphere through worship. You know, Jonathan wrote songs like Raise Hallelujah that we sing in church. He wrote songs like no longer slaves. We're no longer a slave, but we are a child of God. But Melissa struggles with her, with her health. She's got psoriasis arthritis, which is a, something that affects your joints. And it's, she's in pain. She's in constant pain. And she knows panic and she knows anxiety. And she had to battle this many, many times in her life. And this song is birthed from her own pain and her own struggles. But now she's using that to transform other people's lives. So this is a 22-minute warfare session you can have at home with your family, on your own, in your life group. But this will, will, will show you the power of worship and warfare when it comes to our mental health. She sings about us, a sound mind that is in our inheritance as God's sons and daughters. And then at the end, she sings about turning on the lights. You know, that God... She's asking God, God, turn on the lights for whoever is struggling. So this is something that you can use as a tool to fight and not to keep, not to stop fighting. And then lastly, I just want to share with you, you know, another tool that we can, we can do we, or we can use. We can use our pain to help somebody else, like I said, like Melissa is doing. And I want to play you uh, an interview that people did with Rick Warren. He is the founder of Saddleback Church in California. He had a son called Matthew. Matthew struggled with mental illness from a very, very young age. So many people prayed for him. He had counseling. He was on medication, but he still struggled. And then at the age of 27, he committed suicide. 
So I want to I wanna show you this interview so that you can just hear Rick's heart and how, how they dealt with it and how he dealt with it as a dad. So let's play that, thanks. And I, if I hadn't had a small group, I, I don't know that I'd still be in ministry right now. My son, my youngest son, Matthew, struggled with mental illness his entire life. He was born as a, as a child. We could see he was clinically depressed as a child. And I remember when he was 17 years old, he came to me in tears. He loved the Lord. He had a tender heart, a tortured mind. Tender heart, tortured mind. He led people to Christ. He gave my book out to people. He would witness to people on suicide sites. He said, Dad, it just doesn't work for me. I just can't get the depression out. And when at 17, he came to me and he said, Dad, it's real obvious I'm not going to be healed. He said, We've, we, we have gone to the best doctors. I've had the best medicine. Dad, I, I've gone to the best healers men of faith women of faith i said dad you're a man of faith mom is a woman of faith you've prayed for me intercessors uh i've gone to the best counselors he said it's real clear i'm not gonna get well why can't i just die and go on to heaven i know where i'm going why can't i just go on? I, I just don't want the pain anymore that'll break your heart as a father okay to have your son and in tears i'm standing there flooding tears down my face and I said, Matthew, I, I don't think you want to die. I just think you want to be over the pain. You want relief. And I said, here's my prayer. One, I will never stop praying for a miracle. Because miracles do happen. As a pastor, I've seen thousands of miracles. Stout physical miracles. I've seen many, many miracles. So I know they happen. But because they're miracles, because they don't always happen. Not every time. Uh, and so sometimes it doesn't. And... And I said, my prayer is, A, you'll be miraculously cured, okay? And I will never stop praying for that. And I do have a prayer ministry. And number two, though, if not, I pray that through your own spiritual growth and maturity, good counselor, good medication, you'll be able to manage. Because, Matthew, the truth is on this earth, not everything gets healed. This is hev not heaven. This is earth. In heaven, there's no more sadness, sorrow, sickness, suffering. But he said, there's pain here on earth. And that's why we are to pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, God's will is done perfectly, completely, instantly, and continuously. On earth, none of that's true. I often don't do God's will. You often don't do God's will. Other people, and so we hurt people intentionally, unintentionally, and there's, everything is broken on this planet. By sin, uh, the weather's broken the economy's broken our bodies are broken our minds are broken everything's we live in a broken planet and that's why the bible says in romans creation groans for the day of, of salvation so i said what do you do when a problem can't be solved and there if i have a child who has cerebral palsy that child's going to have it the rest of its life most likely in those kind of things you have to manage the problem and some problems aren't miracles. Some problems are managed for the glory of God. Johnny gave glory to God without a miracle, has done her entire life. Right. Okay. And many others have done that too, who've lived with thorns in the flesh. And they gave glory to God either through a miracle or through managing it. Either way, God gets glory. 
So my prayer is that you'll be able to manage it, and then God will give you a ministry of helping other people. Mm. Well, uh, about eight years ago, Matthew'd come over to our house for uh, dinner one night, and we had a good time. We watched TV, played a few games. There's no problem, no rift. He lived in his own home. As he was leaving, he said, Dad, I'm just so tired. I'm, I'm so tired. And that was the last we heard from him. Wow. So about 24 hours later, we are worried because what we'd feared might happen someday and what we would pray would never happen. We go over to his house. His car's in the driveway. The door's locked. We don't have a key to get into his house. And we're waiting for the police to come break down the door to find this terrible moment in our lives. And Kay and I are standing on the driveway, hugging each other, sobbing, just sobbing. And Kay reaches down, and she's wearing a necklace that has two words that are the words of the title of the book she'd just written, Choose Joy. And I look at her, and I say, how do you choose joy when your heart is breaking in a million pieces? How do you choose joy? The police came, broke the door down, found the, the inevitable bad news. They're carrying my sons out in a body bag. And I, if I hadn't had a small group, I, I don't know that I'd still be in ministry right now, but that, that group that I'd been in for so many years, those couples showed up within 30 minutes, 15, 20 minutes on that driveway and they didn't say anything they just hugged us okay they just hugged us and, and they said we're not going to leave you alone tonight the guys hugged the, me and the women hugged Kay they said we're coming to your house you don't have to say anything we're, we're just going to be with you now this is an important thing I want to say to those of you who are watching I teach this to pastors all around the world the deeper the pain the fewer words you use. This is an important thing to remember. The deeper the pain, the fewer words you use. If somebody's having a bad hair day, you can have a 30-minute, you know, conversation. Okay. But if somebody's just lost a son to suicide, you show up and shut up. There's nothing you can say. It's the ministry of presence. People say, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just show up and shut up. That is the ministry of presence. Now, let me go back to when I said how God uses in every purpose. Out of that pain came. For the next 16 weeks, I spent it alone with God. I was either with Kay or with God. I didn't do any preaching, no staff meeting, nothing for 16 weeks. I had all my buddies, okay, uh, Judah Smith and uh, Judd Wilhite and all, I had 60, Greg Laurie, all came in and preached for me for 16 weeks, okay? And I was either with Cod or with Kay and just listening. I received during that time, I'm not exaggerating, maybe 30, 35,000 letters of condolences. And the ones that meant the most to me, honestly, Matt, were not the ones from rock stars and presidents and prime ministers, they, they wrote me. Many, many people that I didn't know wrote me and gave great condolences. 
the ones that meant the most to me were people that Matthew had led to Christ. Oh, my goodness. And they said, I know that Matthew struggled with mental illness his entire life, but he led me to faith. And I'm going to be in heaven because of him. And he was talking to me on a suicide site. And he talked me out of it. And I'm going to be in heaven because it. And I remember writing in my journal that day, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. My goodness. And then I wrote, and we're all broken. Okay, we're, we're all broken. Okay. So if you think that reading Purpose Driven Life is going to give you a perfect life, don't even bother. It will give you a life of purpose, and it will help you understand how God uses all these things. And the fifth thing was God uses pain to be a witness. I, I actually think that our greatest witness to the world is how we handle pain. Not how we handle good times. There's a guy I've been witnessing to on my block for 20 years, and he was not interested in anything. He just shut down, closed but when Matthew died, I remember driving by one day, and he's out watering his lawn, and he looks up at me, and he goes, and I'm going, that got to him. That got to him. And all of a sudden, it was real, and he was watching how I was handling the worst circumstances of my life. And so, as I say, your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest pain. I say that from experience. There's not a week go by that somebody famous calls me with either a mental illness issue or a suicide issue. And I'm talking about from the highest of the highest people, personalities in politics and in celebrity. And Kay and I did not ask for this ministry of ministering to families with mental illness and ministering to families struggling with suicide of a family member. I didn't want that ministry, but it's one that God gave us. And I'm not gonna waste the pain so I would say to everybody, whatever your pain is, have you been molested? My wife was molested as a little girl in a church. She has used that pain to help others, okay? Uh, cancer. I, 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 don't, you're going to go through pain in life. Just don't waste it. If you're going to go through pain, you might as well use it to help somebody else out. So I don't know your story this morning, but God does. He really does. And he is in the business of healing. Amen. He is truly in the business of healing. And your pain is not in vain. The darkest, deepest, most difficult season in your life, God can use it for his glory and for your good and for the good of others. So I want to read you one more scripture and then we're going to pray. And make warfare against whatever is coming against us. 2 Timothy 1.7, it's a well-known scripture. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this is our inheritance. And I speak that over you today, that anxiety is not your inheritance. Depression is not your inheritance. A sound mind is your gift from the Lord. So I want us to stand. If you guys can stand with me, we're going we're gonna to make war against anything and everything that is coming against your mental health. We're going to stand together as a church, and we're going we're gonna to pray for one another. So I want us to do 
a declaration first. I'm going to read it to you and then we can do it together. Okay. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has not given me a spirit of depression. He has not given me a spirit of anxiety nor mental instability. But he has given me power and love to fight and to overcome. And a sound mind is my inheritance as his child. That is the truth. That is the truth. So let's declare this together. Let's just say this together. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has not given me a spirit of depression. He has not given me a spirit of anxiety nor mental instability. But he has given me power and love to fight and to overcome. And a sound mind is my inheritance as his child. I want us to do it again. Sometimes we need to confess the truth, not once, not twice, not three times, but 10 times or 20 times until it hits home and until it shifts something inside of us. So let's do this again. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has not given me a spirit of depression. He has not given me a spirit of anxiety nor mental instability, but he has given me power and love to fight overcome and the sound mind is my inheritance as his child amen thank you for listening find more on shofar east london's podcast channel let's do life together